All right, we're live and we're rolling and welcome to The Real Venture. If you're new here, welcome. Let me break down what this show is all about. We are a community built for young entrepreneurs by young entrepreneurs with the sole mission of inspiring the next generation, our generation, to turn their crazy idea into a business. I'm your host, Peyton. And I am your co-host, Luke. And we are so excited to continue to grow this platform as we talk to other successful founders about their successes and together as a community, figure out the next step in our own entrepreneurial journey. The only thing I'm going to need you to do before we get going is hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Let's dive into today's topic. All right, Jerry, thank you so much for, for coming on today. I really was enjoying our conversation before we hit record and there's a lot of great things that we touched on, but, uh, you know, I kind of definitely want to circle back to some of them, but why don't you just start by, you know, telling us a little bit about yourself, a little introduction. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. I love what, um, you and your cousin are doing and, and the path that you're on. I love, um, young people as entrepreneurs and, uh, chasing dreams. So lots of fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know, by way of background, Peyton, uh, I have run five businesses in five different industries from business business to business to consumer. And what I have learned is that business is just widgets. And so uh, I've never been the technical leader in any business that I've run. In fact, you know, this business that I run today is probably the closest that I've ever been to actually knowing what the hell I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but what I've learned is, you know, uh, the success of business, every business has the potential to be great right? It really comes down to leadership and leaders, whether we unlock the potential of every business to be great. And so when I look and say, I'm on a mission to um, improve 5 million lives over the next five years through better business, it's really looking at how do I help leaders become better leaders to unlock the magic inside their organization. Wow. I love that. Now, Obviously, if you want to have a great impact on people, why are you starting with the leader? Why not everybody else who's underneath the leader? Right, because I think at the end of the day, um, you're a young person. I don't know if you've ever had this uh, opportunity. I know you just left Oracle, which is a great company. Um, but you know, the leader holds so much of your day-to-day. They, they set your objectives. They hold your resources. They either put barriers in front of you You don't have the tools and resources to succeed. Maybe you don't even know um, how you're winning and how you contribute to the organization. And so, so many times the leader just gets in the way of people being great. The thing that I say all the time is, I have never met someone who shows up to work and says, you know what? I really want to suck today. Never met someone. That's a a good point. and, And yet there's so many people that don't do great work. And it's really, it's not their fault. It's the leader's fault. We haven't trained someone of what they need to do. We haven't hired well. We haven't connected them to the vision of the company, the impact that we want to go make, or the values, which is really the operating system of the company, what we celebrate or what we don't tolerate. And so if every day people go home and say, God, I hate my job, really shitty life, right? Then they're not going to come back and do really great work. And in my experience of leading lots of organizations that have made, you know, all the places that you would want to go to the newspaper and, you know, clip out an article and send it to your mom, you know, places like the Inc 500 and the franchise 500 and the best places to work. In my experience, it starts with the leader because we control the resources and how we're going to allocate them on opportunities. And so um, that's the place where I can have the most scalable um, uh, change. 
what is the Jerry definition of a leader? It, you know, you can, you can hop into a dictionary and, you know, you can read exactly what it says, but in your mind, what is a leader? Right. So I think the, a, a great leader is someone that very clearly um, puts the right resources on the right opportunities. And the only way that you can do that is if you're clear, sorry about that. I should put my phone on, on mute. Um, if you are clear on your vision and your values, so you have to be very clear. So if I said to you, Peyton, I wanted to invite you into my organization. said, we're going to go on this amazing adventure, right? And you said, oh, this sounds amazing. Let's go do that. And we got in the car together and I drove to the beach because I love warm weather and I love the beach. I want to go in the water. And you got there and you said, shit, I don't want to go to the beach. I want to go to the mountains because I love to snow ski. Right? That's the impact. And so many times people invite people on these adventures and they're just not clear about the impact that we're going to go make. Mm. Simon Sinek calls that, what's the why behind what it is that we're doing? What's the impact that we're going to go make? And then the second piece of it is, if we aren't clear on our values, what I call the road and the rails, here's the road that we're going on. That's the vision. Here are the rails, which is um, you know the values of an organization. If you're not clear on that, you can't lead people well. And so how do we create communities that are on a mission together, which means you have vision and values alignment. And then as the leader, I need to be a great steward for those people who are in my care. One of the things that I see for um, young people or new leaders, they feel like they're taking control of the situation. And, and that's the wrong way to think about it. Ego is always the enemy. One of my favorite books from Ryan Holiday is incredible book. Incredible book. He's an incredible author. And so, you know, ego is the old the enemy. I used to say this to you know people who are in my care. If you start asking how does this impact me instead of how this impacts the organization, then I have failed you as a leader because I haven't connected you to the vision and values of the of the company. And so. We have to continue to recognize that we are stewards of people's time, energy, and attention to go make the impact that we're, that we're meant to go make. And so I look at it this way, you know, from a vision point of view, the company that I run now, it's all about how do we align the world's visions, values, and actions to create fulfillment. Now, that doesn't mean that all of us are aligned but it's that you're bringing conscious intention to what your vision is, what your values are, and your actions so that you can feel really great about what you do, your life on your terms. And what I found is you could be a really great fit at Oracle. You could be a 10 out of 10. Everyone loves Peyton because you line up with the vision and the values and you love your role that you're, that you're fulfilling. But you may come into another organization and you might be a six or a seven. Where they go like, God, Peyton's just not getting it done. That doesn't, that's not a reflection on you. That's just a reflection on the alignment that you have with that organization. Mm -hmm. And everyone is different. The problem happens where when people don't clearly define their vision and values, you end up blowing like a leaf in a wind. And people go like, ah, I just don't get it. I don't know where we're going. And so for me, when I'm looking at uh, my CEOs that I work with, my goal is that there is such clarity inside the organization that when people go home and their spouse says, hey, Peyton, 
how was your day today? You say, I had a great day. I, I, I kicked ass. My metrics are amazing. I contributed to the vision. I have the tools and resources that I need to succeed. And I just love my job. I love what I do. I love the people that I'm doing it with. Those are hallmarks and indicators that you have um, the right leader doing the right thing. Um, and so that's, in my mind, thinking my way through what is good leadership? It's that alignment of vision, values, and actions. You know, I love it. You broke it up into you know two parts when you're when you're talking about getting everybody kind of on the same board, right? It, as a leader, understanding your why, and then secondly, articulating it to others so they can you know follow accordingly, and then kind of as you laid out, understand if they're a good match. So for me, as as a young leader and and somebody who's working on my own leadership skills you know, how do I begin to define my why? Like, right, you know, I have an understanding of what I would like to do and it's an area that I'm passionate about, but how do I begin to craft that so the next step I can begin to articulate it to others? And so it takes a lot of reflection, right? And so I'm a big believer in white space, in thinking, in experiences. You know, I, I'm a big believer, go try as many things as possible. That's why I love what you and your mm -hmm. cousin are doing. Because, you know, the reality of it is um, you don't change the world sitting on the couch eating bonbons. You, you change the world by going out and taking action, even if it doesn't work out. And so I would get, I, I always start with people and say, let's get really clear about your values. Do you have values, Peyton? Do you have written values? Yeah. You've written, mm -hmm. written values. What are your values? Yeah. My values are integrity. And, you know, the problem is, is I always put character because integrity and character, I think overlap, but also in my mind, they're different because, uh, I had a great, um, high school basketball coach and, uh, you know, we always had a quote on the top of our paper every single day that we had to like memorize during practice and then recite it at the end. And if we didn't do it right, we had to run or, yeah. or do something. And, you know, they were always, you know, great deep quotes and some of them were really long and those were rough days. Um, but you know, he always <laughs> talked about you know, character is what you do when no one's watching. Yeah. And I, I really like that. But, and so like, I think that that's extremely important and that's why I included in my values. But then for me, integrity falls into like the honesty category and, you know, it's, it's being transparent and open. And that's actually, I would say that character and integrity are the most important things for me right now, as I'm going through a fundraise, because there are so many opportunities that I could embellish over exaggerate in mm -hmm. order to secure investments. And it's, you know, it's really, really hard sometimes because you just get so excited and you're into it. But at the end of the day, you're trying to build a relationship with these investors going forward and, you know, you're working on something together. And if you misrepresent it, then, you know, you're basically burning the house down before it even starts. I think, I think that's amazing. And, um, I think it's, uh, super important. I mean, integrity is one of the hardest ones. I think it's the one that um, people want to reach for off the shelf, right off the bat. Um, but as you'll learn in business, there are lots of opportunities where there is gray. And I'm a guy that loves yep. a binary world, black and white, e easy, yes or no. Um, but, you know, there are times when um, integrity becomes a very hard value. And uh, it's a definitely an aspirational value. But coming back to it, where would I start? I always start with values. Because if I'm not clear about what is going to make me feel good, 
and how and what I expect from those people around me, then that lack of clarity leads to confusion, right? Confusion mm -hmm. leads to frustration. Frustration leads to low performance. And so, you know, if you can go through a process, and I do take my leaders through a process that starts with values, it has them write a personal user manual, it has them identify who's on their board of directors. You know, you spoke about your, your grandfather being a great mentor of yours. You know, business is hard. Who, who are you going to call when shit gets hard? You better know that yeah. in advance of when stuff gets hard for you so you can pick mm -hmm. up the phone in advance of that. And so there is a process that you can go through. And ultimately, um, the, here's the one question I would tell you you need to answer. Um, how am I going to show up as a leader for my people? If you can answer that and you can make promises to people, right? Because that, that's ultimately what you're doing. You're saying, Here, here's, here's how I'm going to show up for you. Here's what you can expect. Because I, I say this all the time. Um, operationally, we want to be incredibly predictable as a leader. And I'm making the same decision again and again and again, and I don't care whether it's Peyton or someone else, right? Because, because that actually, that that trickles down into the organization. If if the people below you know how you're going to respond to something, then you've instilled your values and the way that you operate in them, that they already know in advance, hey, Jerry's not going to like that, or Jerry's going to you know disagree with that, or he's going to yeah. love it because, yeah, I guess, and yeah, you, that's and, awesome. And you, I never really thought you, of it like that. And, and you know what that allows you to do? What? Two things. One is tackle bigger challenges. And the second is take a vacation. <laughs> yeah. Right? One of the I things mean, that absolutely. People, I mean, people, people struggle with all the time is they can't take a vacation. And that's because they're so centrally involved in all aspects that no one knows how resources get allocated on opportunities. But if we're really clear about the values of the organization and you teach people and train people and bring them along and use the values and the language of how we, we make decisions as a, as a company, then it becomes easier and easier to get um, leadership pushed into the organization throughout the organization so that you can move faster. Because when you have high trust, you can move way faster than people going, oh, I'm not really sure how Peyton's going to respond to this. That's a bad deal. And so you want to be unpredictable as a strategist. You want to be completely predictable as an operational leader. I love that because I've begun, you know, in my short CEO career, I have begun to realize that, um, you know, there are so many areas where I am not the expert. I am not the mm -hmm. one who could deliver at the capacity that I need for my business. So what I have learned already is the power of delegation and bringing the right people along in order to accomplish that. I am also not the technical co-founder. That's Luke. Luke can code. Uh, he yeah. has an incredible background in it. He can engineer whatever. I'm the crazy idea guy. And mm -hmm. what, you know, what I've realized is by having Luke in that capacity, it allows us to continue to advance the business so I can spend my time instead of trying to learn how to deliver a technical version of the product. You know, for the most part, all my other time spent learning different areas of the business because we are young founders and there's a lot yep. of gray area and a lot of things that we don't know yet. But if I was locked up, you know, trying to figure that out the whole time, we would never make it as a business. 
Yeah. And I think you have to understand, you know, what your role is. I I've run multiple businesses. I've never been the, the, the technical leader. I mean, the biggest joke is that I ran a highly successful construction business and I told the owner, um, the only thing I hammer is my keyboard, right? I have the softest hands in construction, but if you want your business run really well, um, we're, we're going to do really well. And, you know, it worked out pretty good. We went from 7 million to 30 million in three and a half years. And so, um, I don't believe that you need to be a technical leader to be super successful. When you look at organizations, you have history at Oracle, right? Who gets promoted? The person who gets promoted is great at doing the doing, right? That's who gets recognized. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, Peyton's amazing at this thing, right? And then we change just because you're great at doing the doing does not mean that you're great at leading people. It's a completely different skill set. Michael Jordan, very clearly the very best basketball player in the history of the world, was not a successful coach. It's a completely different skill set to be the best basketball player in the world doing the doing versus leading the people. And so um, when you look at organizations, you know what they do a really shitty job of? What? Training their people to be leaders. They just believe that inherently because you're great at doing the doing, suddenly you're going to be great at leading people. And so there's three hats that every leader wears. The first is the leader is individual. That's the place where I, I, I talk to you about starting. I've gotta be really clear about who I am and how I'm gonna show up before I bring my shit and my lack of clarity into the office where people go like, ooh, is he having a good day? Is he having a bad day? Because that's how he's gonna react to things. That is a bad, bad place to be as a leader. The second is the technical piece of leading. It's all the things that you have to do every day, creating clarity with good communication, you know, having crucial conversations when things aren't going well, all of the technical skills that you need as a leader. And then the third is the leader is strategist. It's how I'm allocating the right resources on the right opportunities. What are the threats to the businesses? Who are the competitors? All of that analysis to say, guys, Here's the direction we're going. Come along. Let's go do this together. And so when you put those things together, you're, you leave yourself in a much better place. Absolutely. You know, the, the idea of, of telling people to, to come along and, and, and bringing them on your journey, you know, kind of is the second step, as you talked about, after you're able to define internally what your why is now articulating it to other people, you know, as as a young leader, how do I begin to have, you know, figure out if somebody does align? Because like you said, there are good fits and there are not, you know, you might mm -hmm. interview and, and talk to a whole bunch of potential candidates. How do I go through that process and determine, Hey, that person does align with my goal or that yeah. person doesn't? Because also at the same time, you know, you kind of got me thinking at such a very early stage in some of these companies, you know, you're bringing on equity positions where people mm -hmm are getting involved and you want to make sure that they are the right fit because you're giving them part of the company. So, you know, what does that process kind of look like? Yeah. Um, a great one. So I say, I've been saying this a lot because the, the, the world is changing and it's changing a lot. We're seeing, you know, the great resignation, 4.3 million people resigned in August, 4.4 million people resigned in September. You're one I'm of one the people of who resigned in October Right. And so yep. why is that? Why is that happening? Well, we look and say, what are the clues that I can see in the Edelman report? 61% of people are looking for purpose in their work. Mm. You, you lay that on top of um, 
the predictive index uh, survey, 63% of people expect to be looking for a new job in the next 12 months due to poor leadership. So how do we make sure that we bring people in that are the right fit? What I've been telling people is you shouldn't be thinking about building a company. You should be building a community on a mission. Because when we have communities on a mission, we are a steward of the resources for ourselves and those around us, whether they are the customers, whether they're equity stakeholders, they're ourselves, the community at large that we're good stewards for. And what does that mean? You mean you need to have alignment of your vision, where you're going. Everyone says, this is pretty cool. I love property tech. What we're doing is amazing. I love the way in which we do it because we have integrity and character, right? And that's the core values of you know the company. And so how do you make sure that you have that alignment? There's two pieces that you're hiring for, right? One is values alignment. So I would be asking them lots of questions to make sure that they are aligned with the values of the company. So ask them all sorts of situational questions. I just asked one this morning. Integrity is a core value of a company that I work with, and I'm involved in the hiring process for um, a promotion. And I I asked the the candidate, when is the last time you lied inside your work environment? Mm. Right? Because it it happens, right? When, When was the last time you lied? I mean, we can hold out the aspirational yeah. of integrity. Today, probably. Uh, of course, right? It's just, it's the, it's yeah. the nature of, of how the world works. And so, um, again, you want to look for values alignment by asking lots of situational questions. And I would be taking my time in hiring those people. So you need to have a hiring process that fleshes out that we have the right values alignment first, because you're going to be working with these people, especially in a, in a new startup. Um, what people get lulled into, Peyton, is, well, this guy can code amazing code, right? That's the technical side. People generally don't leave jobs because they're bad at what they do. They leave jobs mm-hmm. or have fights because there's value disalignment. So start with values alignment first. Go to dinner with them. See how they act at dinner. Put an appetizer, a shareable appetizer in the middle. I love putting calamari in the middle of the table and see how they react, right? I, I, I mean, I love, the, I love the story about, um, you know, there was a pizza party and um, lots of people came and one person walked up and looked and said, man, we're probably going to run out of pizza. And they took three slices to make sure that they had enough pizza And the next person walked up and said, man, a lot of people came. We're probably going to run out of pizza. Let me just make sure I take one so that everyone has pizza. Same situation, same view, different values, different approach in how to do that. Mm. I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but there's one that's going to align for you. And so ask those things that are core culture questions, situational questions, and then look for the technical. Lots and lots of people can figure out the technical side for you. Not everyone will figure out the culture side where you get really excited about coming to work. Um, Because once you have that oh shit moment when your phone rings and you look at it and you go like, oh God, it's whoever, it's Billy calling. I I don't wanna fucking talk to Billy. That's when you know you're in big trouble. That's when you brought the wrong person into the company. 
No, uh, yeah, and I, you know, starting to think through my own experiences. So, you know, I think it's so easy to make excuses for people that don't align with your values because they can do something really well, and you know, they are such a good coder or they have such great experience in sales. You know, it, and I saw it a lot too at at Oracle. Like there were so many. I, I was a solution engineer, so I was pre sales, but mm-hmm. I was more of the technical side, and I wasn't necessarily having the sales rep level conversations. But there's such a a wide spectrum of people where there are some people that are just incredible at their job, but you know maybe they're not the best person. And you know when you go to dinner with them they might not leave the best impact on the customer. Whereas there are others that maybe, you know, don't close as much or, you know, whatever metric you want to evaluate them on, but they're, they build incredible relationships and, you know, both are moving sales across the line at the end of the day, but it's through a different vehicle. And one, in my opinion, is going to be way more long-term than the other. Depends on what game you're playing, right? Are you playing the infinite game? Yeah. Or are you playing the finite game? And, you know, in my experience, you should always be playing the long game and figuring out, um, you know, how we can level up those people because through training, you can get people to do just about anything, right? I mean, there isn't an, an innate skill set, but with good training, everything's teachable. How did you learn how to do anything that you did? I mean, you're a high learner. Yeah. You know that you need to upskill because you know you have gaps and you're going and doing that work. Fantastic. Kudos for you. It's why you're going to be wildly successful over the course of your career. Right? It's so many people that just think, oh, they have this dream, but they're not willing to go do the work to upskill or to build relationships to, to figure out what those gaps are. And so, um, you know, those are the people um, that miss. But yeah, I, I will come back to you. Um, make sure you have cultural alignment first, because that's going to show cracks when things are hard. You know, one thing that I say all the time is, I love to hire from the scratch and denial, right? If, if you've had a white glove experience through your whole life, um, when shit gets mm-hmm. hard, you know what you do? You turn and run and cry back to mom and dad. But if you've had yeah. your teeth bashed in a lot, which, um, you know, those are the people that I like to, to hire, those people are going to figure it out to the other side because they're going to have the grit and the resilience and the tools to succeed. This is not a personal reflection on me. This just means that more work needs to go into it to get it done. And so um, make sure you stay on that cultural piece first. Yeah. You you know, you see hundreds, thousands of leaders every single year. Mm-hmm. What are some of the glaring, you know, obviously there are some issues that are deep and like you said, require a lot of training or, you know, talking through to, to, to work out some of maybe a, a character issue, whatever the case may be. But from a from a very visible level, what are some common red flags that you're able to see very early on when you're evaluating a leader, maybe for the first time? Um, when they think the business is all about them. The language that they choose, I and me. Unless they're talking about mistakes, they should be using we and us. And so I'm constantly looking for language cues. Are they taking credit for the work of the team or are they talking about elevating those people who are in their care um, into places of, of greatness? And so that to me is just a, a simple, easy, clear indication of the quality of the leader that I have. And again, e- ego is always the enemy. And so I don't need 
bravado. I need people who are stewards, who are servants, who wake up every day and say, what can I do to serve my people to get them to a better place of success? Do, how can I make sure that they have the tools and resources that they need? How can I make sure that they absolutely have the knowledge to do that? And so, you know, when um, it's, it's actually easier for me to, to, to give you hallmarks of what good leadership looks like, then yeah. it is bad because um, I don't know, you walk in and you get the wrong feeling from someone that's a good indication that that person is not going to build world-class relationships. And so, you know, th things that I think about, you know, the three C's, you know, every single one of your employees should feel challenged, should feel cared about, and should feel comfortable that they have the tools and resources to succeed. And so if as a leader, you're not thinking about those things, and when you start asking people questions along those regard, hey, tell me about, you know, Peyton's spouse, and they can't tell me anything, then I will tell you they're not going to be a world-class leader because they don't care about their people. And the people are going to reflect that. You know, the, the story that I tell is I, I had a guy that I worked with at the construction company. He walked in one day and he, he shut my door. Hey, what's up, Tom? And he said, man, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I love you so much that I would take a bullet for you. And you sit and you think, man, that's the impact. That's the relationship that we have built that he feels so cared for that he would take a bullet for me. And of course I laughed and I said, I hope no one's ever shooting me, Tom, but thank you yeah. for um, being in a place where um, you think of me as a leader that way. That's where magic happens. And so if the leader is making it about them and their language says it's about them, then you're probably not going to unlock the best in the people around you. Absolutely. I love that. And also for that guy to go out of his way to tell you that, I mean, that means that he was so compelled and inspired in, in a way that he totally went out of his way to, to, to come in and tell you that. And that's, that's very special. Well, um, I, I think, I think it comes back to though, we were very clear about our values, you know, love your people and treat them as whole people. So for imagine for a construction company, our first value was love your people and treat them as whole people. That happens throughout the organization. Guess what you unlock? You unlock such community that fights for each other, that binds together. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't go from 7 million to 30 million without people getting their teeth bashed in and joining arms and saying, we can do this together. Even though this yep. isn't my lane, I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm going to come and help, you know, which, you know, I think about young people uh, ever since I wrote job descriptions, one of the, the last lines of every job description I've ever written, and I'd encourage you to do the same is to do anything at any time to ensure the company's success. Because when you are doing big, bold things, there are gonna be things that are quote unquote outside your lane or outside your job description. But in the yeah. short term, Peyton, I don't care, brother. I need your help. I need you to come do this thing. I'm gonna get someone to backfill over time. I'm not, I mean, you're not gonna do it in perpetuity, but anything at any time to ensure the company's success. When you get people into that mindset, um, especially early stage where we're all generalists and wearing lots of hats to get the company to succeed. 
um, that's where you should, uh, that's where you should be. Yeah, no. And you know, I can, I can even personally reflect on that because we, uh, we had a potential, uh, employee that, you know, was looking for a very clear cut. Um, you know, they wanted to, to be contracted out, work 40 hours a week, um, and, and not be in a salary position, which, you know, obviously it's very important to respect people's time and Mm -hmm. what they're trying to do. But in, in, in the startup phase where, you know, Luke and I are working 120 hour weeks where we're, mm-hmm. I mean, we can't, we're looking for somebody that wants to be a part of that journey and doesn't That's care right. that it's eight o'clock at night or 5am in the morning. And, you know, right there, that was a value disconnect. That person is an incredible, you know, would be an incredible employee, but just not what we were looking for. And, you know, we're very fortunate that we realized that early on, but, but you know, by the way, hope, looking hope back, it's, yeah, he'll be an incredible employee as you get from stage one to stage two, right? Where yep. you're in that eight to 15 million going 25 to 50, um, where things go from being a generalist, where you own lots of lanes and lots of hats, to I just want to do this one thing. That's the transition that you make. So keep, keep him on speed dial, right? Um, love those people. Yep. Not the right time, um, but you're right. Um, when you're starting something up, which I have done, it, it's damn hard. And if people don't yeah. get it, including, by the way, your friends may not understand what, what it is that you're doing. Um, some of your family members, uh, you know, may not understand what it is that you're doing, but um, stay true to yourself. Go chase the dream. You know, we only live once, so why not make it epic? Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, I think this whole entrepreneurial journey, um, has been epic already and I'm excited for it to, uh, to continue on and, and, you know, just kind of to, to recap and close our time today, there's a question I like to ask every single guest that comes on and I'm really excited to hear your answer, but why are you an entrepreneur? Uh, I became an entrepreneur because I loved making decisions. The decisions that I made were generally good ones and I got tired of making other people money. And so that's when I went and made the jump to becoming an entrepreneur. And now in the second half of my career, um, it's really about impact. You know, I'm on a mission to positively impact 5 million people over the next five years through better business. I'm going to do that by helping CEOs have more fun and create compelling companies that outperform. So um, that answer has changed a little bit over time. Um, But originally it was because uh, I made the decisions that made an impact and if I was going to do that, I might as well make the money to go do it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Jerry, if people want to learn more about you uh, and your mission to impact 5 million people, where where can they you know find you online? Yeah, the, the, the best place to find me is at provenchaos.com. And uh, I do a lot of my work on LinkedIn. So I'm pretty active over there. That's a good place to find me. We're always doing events. I'm doing a webinar um you know, on a regular basis. So I would love, you know, if your community is thinking about being an entrepreneur and trying to get further down the road, come join any event that we're in. I do office hours every Thursday from two to three o'clock Eastern time. It's an opportunity for senior leaders to come and gather. I'd invite your community to come and do that. I'd invite you and your cousin um, to come and visit with us. We have some pretty badass entrepreneurs that are in that, uh, in that community. So um, those Absolutely are good places well. to find me. Jerry, thank you so much. 
All right, guys, uh, if you want to continue this discussion, follow us on our social media, our Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebooks will all be in the description of this episode. Hop on there, shoot us a DM, hit us up with whatever concerns, questions, comments that you guys have. We'd love to continue building that community on there. Next, subscribe to wherever you're listening to this, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Overcast, you name it, we got it. And the only other thing I'm going to add is as you're subscribing to those platforms, hop on there, give us rates and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Five-star ratings and a uh, and, and a comment go a really long way. Helps us continue to, to climb up the charts and you know continue to, to spread this to, to all corners of the world and allow us to continue to bring on great guests. We really appreciate you guys for everything and we're excited to see you next week.